You're now tuning in to a Sports Talk podcast produced by the Right Way Sports Network and CEO Malik Wright. Be sure to follow the team's social media on Instagram at TWSNet, on Twitter at TWSNet, and on Facebook at the Right Way Sports Network. We want to change the way you view sports and get your information. And there's only one way to do that. The Right Way. What is going on? I hope y'all are all doing great. This is Wade with ATL Falcons Nation coming at y'all with another edition of the Peachtree Podcast brought to you by the Right Way Sports Network. Had a great weekend. Hope y'all had the same. Really excited to talk about some football again. Um, played my first game of football uh, with a group of friends first time Saturday and the first time forever, and I busted my lip pretty good. So, if I talk a little funny here and there, then that's why, but we're not going to let that stop this. So we got another, yet again, a great show for this Peachtree podcast today. We're going to be talking about Keon O'Neal. He's been in the news recently, but all for the right reasons. We're going to be talking about how he's overcoming overcoming his Achilles injury he um, suffered this past season and how um, he's recovering that, what's the updates, um, and what's going, what's in store for him for 2020. Finally get to see number 22 back on the field and um, in the playing action again. And we're going to talk about Russell Gage. This is one of the most um, underlying and underrated topics of the Falcons' offense and team as a whole, honestly. Russell Gage um, trying to come into his own on this team. And I feel like 2020 is a year that he does come into his own. And this is a year that has a lot of good things in store for him. So we're going to talk about that and how – he's going to be able to step up now that he is pretty much going to be the number three receiver on this offense with the departure of obviously Muhammad's new um, early last season. And then with the cutting of Justin Hardy in this off season. So we're going to talk about that and Julio Jones. This might sound crazy. He's going to go for another NFL record this year. Crazy, I know. He's going to go for seven consecutive 1,000-yard seasons. And can he go for seven consecutive 1,000-yard seasons? We're going to be talking about that. So, like I mentioned, great topics, and we're going to get right into it, starting here off with Keanu Neal. So now, Keanu Neal. We all know about number 22, the presence and the game he brings um, onto the playing field. His hard-hitting abilities, just ask Jimmy Graham, Willie Sneed, Tariq Cohen, Todd Gurley, his now teammate, ask any of them. They know what it's like to get hammered by Keanu Neal, the guy who the Falcons picked with the 17th overall pick in the 2016 draft out of the University of Florida. It was kind of a surprise pick. The Falcons have kind of been pulling these wild cards lately um, in their first-round draft, in these first-round draft picks the past few seasons, and Keanu Neal was certainly one that kind of caught us off guard, but as we came to find out, we were very happy about it. Dan Quinn made a great move in picking up Neil. His um, In his time at Florida, he had 146 tackles and four interceptions. So that in itself fit the mantra that I've talked about and that Dan Quinn has talked about in what he wants to see in that fast and physical defense. Um, as mentioned, it was a surprise pick, and fans were a little skeptical about it. Um, but in his first, his first NFL game was against New Orleans Saints, the game in which – Deion Jones made his homecoming to New Orleans and Louisiana and had a 
um, critical pick six against Drew Brees and really set the tone for how the Falcons season was going to go. But in that game, in his first um, starting NFL game, Keanu Neal had a pass deflection. Um, that was just the beginning. I mean, not much for one game, but that was the, the beginning and the start of Neal's time here in Atlanta and what he was able to do. And that year he was able to um, start in 14 games. He had 105 tackles in that time. 72 of them were solo tackles. Um, defended nine passes on the year. So, you know, that in itself there in the secondary, he was already making plays in his rookie year. I mean, he forced five fumbles as a rookie. I mean, that in itself really shows what he was able to do in his rookie year. And, you know, even with the injuries that have, that have came along in the seasons that followed, this just goes to show what's in store for him when he's completely healthy, when he's back on the field, when he's able to be able to return to that 100% player. And, you know, as mentioned, those four, uh, um, excuse me, five forced fumbles, he also had one fumble recovery. So for a 2016 rookie season, that was pretty awesome for him. And then he just kind of elevated those numbers there in 2017. He had 116 tackles, and 83 of them were solo. Um, they had six pass deflections, and he forced three fumbles. So he really took no step off of his game when it came to, you know, hitting opposing players, getting them on the ground, making plays on the defense, you know, forcing fumbles. He also had an interception on the year, his first career interception. Um, so that really showed that, you know, I'm more, He, you know, he's basically saying I'm more of a guy, I'm more than just, you know, someone who can hit you over the middle. I can also, you know, create picks. You know, it all speaks, the numbers there speak for himself. He played in all 16 games that year, and he got a Pro Bowl nod because uh, Malcolm Jim, unfortunately, the Falcons lost to the Eagles there in the um, – divisional round of the playoffs there and Malcolm Jenkins went to the Super Bowl and Keanu Neal filled his um, spot there in the Pro Bowl. So that was awesome to see in his second year. He makes in 2018 is when this kind of, I don't want to say downward spiral, but kind of, I would say lull happened um, mentally and physically for Neal. Um, in 2018, the Falcons kicked off the season in a another close game. If you're a Falcons fan or an Eagles fan, or, you know, you follow these Sunday night games and these games against the Falcons and Eagles, you know how they are. You know, whether it was that playoff game where uh, Julio Jones lets the ball go right through his hands there in the end zone on the last play, or there in the kickoff game, which we're about to talk about. He caught it in the end zone but was out of bounds on the last play of the game. And then this uh, week two of this 2019 season that just went by, he has the you know miraculous fifty uh, fifty plus yard touchdown with two minutes left in the game that would ultimately win it after a very back and forth game. So you know if you're a Falcons or Eagles fan, you know how these games go. And that was the case in this 2018 game when they kicked off the season. Um, Keanu Neal he played a little bit in that game. He left the game early with a knee injury, and it was kind of we were kind of wondering why. You know, is he is he okay? How is this going to be like a long term thing? But you know, just a few plays later, he's back on the field, so everything was okay and good. And then, you know, good to see another a player come back to the field. And just a few plays later, he falls he falls on the ground on a non contact play, and it was revealed that he tore his ACL, and that was completely heartbreaking, not only for the fans but especially for him. I mean, and as fans, we feel for him, but you know, as a player coming off those two back-to-back just awesome seasons of forced fumbles and tackles and hits and 
you know, just to see him go down with a, you know, one of the worst injuries you can get in the game as far as setting your career back and, you know, trying to recover from that in a kickoff game. And you're in just your third season tearing your ACL. That was, you know, that really kind of put him on the back burner, so to speak. Um, but he did recover. He really rehabbed very well throughout that off season and came back to 2019 with his fifth year option picked up. And that was seriously no brainer considering Yes, he missed all 2018, but we just went over the 16 and 17 stats. I mean, it really, you know, one of the best NFL uh, safeties, 2019, fifth-year option picked up. And then in game three, week three against the Indianapolis Colts, he tears his Achilles tendon, and he misses the rest of the 2019 season. And that, again, was such a detrimental effect on, you know, if you if you were watching the game, he throws his helmet down. I mean, he's, he's on the ground, you know, writhing in pain you I mean he knows his season's over he throws his helmet down there in the end zone for some reason or other there was a flag drawn on the play um which kind of didn't bode well for the Falcons throughout the game whereas you know just the fact that it was a penalty I don't agree with um this is a guy who missed his whole 2018 season young guy and here he is he rehabbed put all those months were you know you know over a year you know getting back to that moment and just in week three he tears his Achilles and is going to be out for the rest of the season, and he throws his helmet down just in, you know, utter disbelief and pain and, you know, just being upset and, you know, penalty penalty gets thrown for that. So I didn't agree with that, but um, the NFL didn't find him for that, so that was really nice. Um, I didn't, as mentioned, the flag was unnecessary in my opinion. But ever since that, ever since that week three game where he um, got hurt and has been out, he's on the, he's been on the course for rehab. Um Pro Football Focus himself kind of came out, or themselves, I apologize. Pro Football Focus themselves came out this offseason when the Falcons were against the cap, um, and they listed him as a potential cut for cap space. Uh, that was something that it had been chattered around by, you know, a lot of fans, including myself, and I love Keanu Neal. I love his energy. I love his physicality. I love the way he plays. He's an awesome guy super nice guy. I mean, he's the kind of character that you want in your locker room. Um, but he has played four games in the past two seasons. That in itself is a resume that shows, whoa, hold on. You know, are we getting, in the Falcons instance, are we getting another Sean Witherston, a player with great talent, but he, it just seems like he can't be, he, can, he cannot stay on the field. So I understand where pro football focus was coming from, where they listed him as a potential cut, but as we know, the Falcons obviously did not cut him. And, I'm, you know, I couldn't agree with more with not cutting him. I understand the uh, money situation there. That's At that moment in time, we were tied against the cap, so I understand it. And as I talked about, I mentioned it among, you know, my friends and other fan pages as well. You know, Neil probably, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if something happens, you know, a trade or – as they listed a potential cut, you know, as, you know, as bad as that might sound, but I was happy with the path they went with. Didn't need to cut him. Um, Cause that's something this defense needs. They need Keanu Neal. When he, you know, I talked about when he's hundred percent, who doesn't want that guy on the field, his hard hitting ability he, that needs to be back on this defense. Um, he's been, if you follow him on Instagram, he's been talking about, um, he's shown how he's been working out. Um, in early May of this year, Dan Quinn was on our local radio station, 1990 Game, and he was talking about, you know, 
Keanu O'Neill and his rehab and how his un, his injury updates and how everything's going. And this is what he told them, you know, on that radio show. He said that he's hitting all the marks you'd hope he'd hit. He looks like himself in terms of speed and change of direction. So that in itself shows you that, you know, and this is in May, coming off an Achilles injury. I mean, we saw when Kevin Durant tore his Achilles in the NBA Finals, he's still not back to you know, obviously the NBA season has been canceled so far. Hopefully it returns within a few weeks. But, you know, even since then, last summer, uh, I can't know, Kevin Durant has really struggled. I don't want to say struggled, but it just shows you the detrimental effect it has on your body. You know, it, it takes a long time for it to recover, and that's in basketball. That's not even starting with, you know, trying to recover from that injury in the game of football, a very physical, highly, you know, contact sport, you know, very tough and rough and physical. But to see, you know, Coach Quinn say this about Keanu Neal in May, you know, that's cool to see when he toured there in um, early September of last year. So good progress there. And then a few weeks or, excuse me, last week he was on Good Morning Football. Um, And they asked him, you know, you know, they talked about how they miss him on the field, just like the fans. And they were asking him, you know, how is, how are you doing? You know, how is your rehab? How is your injury progress? You know, and this is what Neil had to say. And I quote, this is what he said. He said, by God's grace, I feel awesome. I feel like myself again, and I'm grateful. These past couple of years have been tough, but I try not to look at the negatives. I try to think positive about it. I got a lot of opportunities to spend time with my wife, my family, friends, and grow myself personally. And that's the end of the quote. And, you know, for Neil to say that, to go with, to deal with what he's had to go through the past um, two years, four games and two NFL seasons, and he talks about how he's dealing with it positively. You know, he says he looks at the negatives. You know, he understands them, he recognizes them, but he thinks positive about it. He took, he, you know, he talked about the positive opportunities he took to spend time with his family, himself to rehab. You know, now he, and it's all paid off. He says he feels like himself again. And he's grateful for that. He feels awesome. And to hear a guy like that be, feel good mentally and physically, you know, that that's something that you don't see every day. It could be – it's very easy for him just to, you know, hang it up saying, man, I've suffered two major injuries. Maybe this, you know, maybe this NFL gig isn't, you know, how it's supposed to go. This is maybe it's time to hang up the cleats. No, no, no. He's way getting back into this game. Um, the Falcons Twitter the other day, they posted a video of him uh, speed training and training at the Flowery Branch facility. He was catching balls um, on defensive uh, warm-ups and reps, you know, so – and he was flying around in that video. He was making cuts. He was making grooves. He was using his hands, his body, his shoulders, his hips, you know, and that was just in training. You know, as mentioned, it takes a long time to rehab from a serious injury like that, but – just to hear him, hear Coach Quinn say those things about him in May, to hear Keanu Neal himself say that about how he's doing and, you know, how he's feeling now here in June, and to see, you know, the videos of him working out there at the football facility is encouraging. And as a fan, it makes me really happy to see a really cool guy like that bouncing back and getting back to his peak form. And we all really miss him on the field. And I really look forward to the 2020 campaign, which is what I was going to talk about a little bit. You know, if you go by the numbers when he was fully healthy, you know, over the course of those two, you know, full seasons of 16 and 17, um, he had eight forced fumbles, an interception, you know, 
over 100 tackles, um, excuse me, over 200 tackles, and all those pass deflections, you know, that is something that the Falcons' defense desperately needed this past season when Keanu Neal was not in the game. You know, I've talked about it several times on this podcast. The Arizona Cardinals game comes to mind. The Houston Texans game comes into mind where the defense looks absolutely lost. They're running around. They're not able to tackle. They're not able to stick with their receivers. They they're just they look lost. And as mentioned, it is kind of, you know, granted to what leadership and coaching they were under at the moment, the lack of leadership there without Keanu Neal, no disrespect to Ricardo Allen and the rest of the awesome veterans that are on the defense. But, you know, there needs to be a little bit of help there. There needs to be the right, you know, mentality set forth there. And not only in the secondary, but the whole defense needs to be the right coaching. The other healthy guys that are on the field need to be put in the right place. So missing Neal was a factor, again, could have really used him. And seeing how we went on that 6-3 and three stretch there at the end of the season, man, just imagine what Keanu Neal could have been, would have been able to do in that time period and already get a head start on a Raheem Morris defense. Um, seeing how Morris has been able to connect with all the other guys on the defense, just imagine what Neal is able to do. But seeing how he's progressing is really encouraging to see. And I expect a good 2020 for him. Um, maybe take this season. I don't know if he will be able to start the season – um, on time, granted, you know, everything with all this craziness going on, who knows if the NFL season will start on time or how it will start or, you know, just a lot of what ifs and how and a lot of question marks going on right now. But, you know, say the NFL season does start on time and, at, you know, 100% all the, you know, full teams, full stadiums, you know, kind of seems like a pipe dream right now. But, you know, if it all goes according to plan, like how we hope, how we all hope, Keanu Neal, I don't know if he'll actually be ready for week one. It's been bounced around that he will. But, you know, it is seeing how Coach Quinn has talked about him and how himself has talked about himself, you know, very encouraging to see. And hopefully he will be ready for on time. But he might take it, you know, I don't want to say easy because once he's on the field, he's a monster. So it might take some. It might take a little time for him to get back broken in, get that rust shaken off. But I do expect him to have – not maybe a, as explosive 16 and 17 season, but definitely one that is a bounce back campaign and potentially a comeback player of the year candidate. I mean, he is, he is our candidate on this Falcons team. You see what he's done in the past. You know what he's able to do. He knows what he's able to do. He's a humble guy, great player. So, you know, bounce back year in store for Neil. Um, One thing I also, I, one thing I want to finish on this little topic about is, you know, why we kept him and why he's very critical to our team. You know, made the 2017 Pro Bowl. He was the Pro Football Riders of America's all-rookie team in 2016. And he had 22 tackles in his first 30 games. And if you didn't know, that's the most by a defensive back since 1987. That in itself, those, you know, little three records, if you want to say themselves, um, on his resume, you know, shows the player he is, shows – what he's capable of, and how I'm just, you know, super glad that this team decided to keep him. And I had no doubt that Thomas Dimitrov and the rest of the front office was going to keep him. It was just more of kind of those off-season, you know, rumors and trying to get headlines here and there. So hopefully, Neil, we'll be able to continue to recover and get back to 100%. So now we're going to move on to Russell Gage. Russell Gage is one of my more favorite players um, on our offense, actually. And one thing I like about him is that he's kind of the underrated guy, you know, as mentioned. 
Um, one thing about this Falcons defense, and since I mean it's always been the case with whoever quarterback, whenever, what decade, but when Matt Ryan has came to Atlanta, he's always pretty much had a solid number three player. Whether it was when he was a rookie and he had Brian Finneran, you know, a few years later he had Harry Douglas. In 2015, he had Leonard Hankerson there as a number three um, behind Julio and Roddy, just like Harry Douglas. Um, 2016, he had, you know, Mohamed Sue was his number two go-to guy. He had Taylor Gabriel as his solid number three receiver. And now he has Russell Gage. Russell Gage out of LSU, he was, pick, he was picked by the Falcons in the 2018 draft in the sixth round um, out of LSU. In that time, he was able to accumulate 347 yards and four touchdowns. He he went to school all four – he played football all four years but only got two years of playing time. So that's why he only has 26 catches and the rest of those numbers to show for. But one thing about Gage is that he hasn't been targeted too much in Atlanta leading up to 2019, which was more of, more so of his breakout year, if you if you will. Um, after the Muhammad Sanu trade, he had seven catches for 58 yards the week after Muhammad Sanu was traded to the New England Patriots. In December, he was ne- he was moved into the starting offensive lineup. So, obviously, he already made quite an establishment there on the team and on the offense. And as mentioned, the week after the Sanu trade, he had seven catches for 58 yards. And Throughout the re- and then after that he finished the year um, against Tampa Bay in his best game of the year, as far as uh, statistically he he had 13 targets in that final game against Tampa, you know for number three guy like that who still was you know kind of sharing catches with Austin Hooper and Justin Hardy for him to have 13 targets and catch seven of them was quite remarkable. He ended the season um, 49 receptions for 446 yards and one touchdown, his first career touchdown against the New Orleans Saints. Um, One thing that was cool to, you know, a cool statistic after Sanu was traded is that he had four catches and 49 yards in seven games uh, beforehand. And now here he is with um, making better numbers in just a few in just a game after that, you know, seven for 58 after Sanu was traded. And before that, he only had four catches for 49 yards in the in the seven previous games. So there is no doubt why he moved into the starting offensive lineup. Um, move, kind of fast forward, and we talked about his 2019 year in totals. You know, fast forward to the NFL draft. The Falcons did not pick a wide receiver in the 2020 draft. So no no additional offensive first round weapons or second round. You know, no additional wide receivers were taken. So that pretty much tells you that this front office and this team and, you know, these coaches, they're, they're high on Russell Gage. They're, they're set on him being the number three guy behind Julio and Calvin Ridley. You know, Matt Ryan obviously targeted him when he was able to get more playing time on the field. So, and he made very tough contested catches. Um, one catch that comes to mind is when it, a pass he caught against the L.A. Rams when it was low and it was, you know, Guy was all over him, and he was able to grab it in, something that, you know, I'm not sure all the other guys on our team might have been able to catch, but Russell Gage was able to catch that. Um, there, at the end of – and also kind of going back to how the Falcons didn't pick a wide receiver in the draft, in May, um, offensive coordinator Dirk Cutter kind of talked about uh, Russell Gage. He said, and I quote, 
I think Russ is very, very talented, and I think we will see a jump in his game. You know, that in itself shows you that Cutter might have had a hand in saying, hey, I'm in the offensive quarter in this team. I've seen what Gage is able to do, and he's very talented, and we need to keep this. There's no reason to bring in, you know, someone else to try just to fill off spot when we already have the guy. And he kind of went on going along with that. He went on to say, and I quote, when Russ got more opportunities, his talent started to show up. I think part of it is his confidence grew. And as his confidence grew, he got better. And I quote, and that's the end of the quote. So there he's talking about how once he got more playing time, his confidence grew. When his confidence grew, his play got better. So it was there all along. It was just a matter of can Gage get the ball? Can he get the playing time? Can he get that confidence boosted up to be able to get his morale up and get the you know production up and make big plays? You know, be consistent, be that you know solid number three guy. And I agree with Cutter there when he thinks consistency is the next phase of him stepping up. Um, he, you know, that's the key to him stepping up is to be able to get that playing time and experience. So, as far as it goes for Russell Gage, kind of stepping up for our team, he is that guy. Um, there was, you know, when it comes to Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, and now with Hayden Hurst, another guy I'm huge on. Uh, offensive or defensive teams got to be aware of this entire offense. You know, the, something I've talked about pretty much in every single podcast, and if you talk about football with me in person, I'll say it, that the Falcons are being overlooked. Um, they're not being talked about. They're not being hyped. But that's okay because this is a team that, you know, they'll pull out all their weapons when the time comes. You know, they're not going to listen to the outside noise. Going back to Cal O'Neill, he himself says, you know, you can't just have all the, you know, if you're going to have all the hype, you got to have the results. You know, and if you don't have the results, what's up with all the hype? So that's kind of how the story is surrounding our division and our team when it comes to teams that are hyped and teams like us that aren't hyped. So, you know, pick your poison with this team. Todd Gurley coming out of the backfield, Julio, Calvin, Hurst, MVP at quarterback, now Russell Gage, solid number three. That's pretty much, you know, how I see this team. It, obviously, I'm okay with other opposing uh, teams and media not looking that way about our team, but that's how I see it. So that's what I have in that's what I have for Russell Gage. I think he is really going to be the guy that will continue to bring this offense offense closer and closer down the year to the playoffs and hopefully get us back to that Super Bowl. So I'm I'm big on Russell Gage heading into 2020. And now we're going to talk about Julio Jones. Yes, the greatest wide receiver in the NFL by far. Um, it's no surprise at this point that he's going for another NFL record. Um, and will he get that record? Spoiler alert, yes, but we're going to talk about it. So, you know, it goes without saying, Julio Jones, a beast. He's the definition of consistency. He's had over 1,300 yards every season since 2014, and he would have even more since 2012 if he hadn't got hurt during 2013 where he missed – um, he, he pretty much he kind of he didn't miss the whole season, but I believe it was week five, week six of the 2013 season where he fractured his foot against the New York Jets on a play that he caught one-handed over Antonio Cromartie, I believe it was. But he made a one-hand, you know, awesome catch as he's falling down to the ground on that play. He fractured his foot, finished the game, but that's what happened. He was out for the rest of the year, so he would have. He would have more than, you know, 1,300 yards to show for if he played for the whole game or for the whole season. Um, 
since 2013, he would have had even more. But, he, I mean, just to go along with that, he has the NFL record for the most average receiving yards a game. That's 96.2. He's a seven-time Pro Bowler. You know, we're kind of just scratching the surface, too. I mean, he's the fat, he's the fastest wide receiver to 7,000 yards, 9,000 yards, 10,000 yards, 11,000 yards, and, yes, 12,000 yards. He will soon have the NFL record for the most consecutive 1,300 yards, which is what we're talking about. Um, he'll own that record after this year with seven. Now, right now, he shares that with Torrey Holt, and they're both tied for six. But once Julio gets over 1,300 this year, he will have the record for most with seven seasons. And Julio, you know, it doesn't come as a surprise, even though he's been as consistent as he is, you know, with all the yards, with all the catches, with all the circus catches, with all the, you know, you know, ripping the ball away from opposing players like that of Malcolm Butler, he still gets flagged from the media of not being able to get in the end zone. You know, granted, you know, our offense has a lot of weapons. Julio gets double teamed a lot in the end zone. I don't find that as an excuse for Julio to have a lack of touchdowns. I think Julio should be targeted way more in the red zone and end zone, especially that in the end zone and corner plays and fade routes. Um, but that is kind of where, you know, people, when it comes to, oh, who's the best wide receiver, um, that comes in the play where, you know, but he doesn't get in the, you know, he doesn't get in the end zone. He has like one touchdown all year. But that's not something I really concern. That's not something that holds me back in talk. And when the discussion comes up, who's the best, it's clearly the best number 11 here in Atlanta. I mean, the last five years, he's led the NFL in yards twice. You know, that, you know, to lead the NFL twice, in five years, going against the guys of, yes, Michael Thomas, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, when Antonio Brown had his mind, um, you know, all these other receivers that have played a lot, Mike Evans, the Mike Evans of the NFL, you know. To go against that kind of competition and, you know, last as long as Julio has, you know, that's something to talk about. You know, in the last three seasons, and or the last three seasons from 2017 to 2019, he leads all the other wideouts in the NFL with 45, with 4,400, excuse me, 4,515 yards. You know, and the next closest guy is Michael Thomas, who's 150 yards behind. But, I mean, from 2017 to 2019, Julio's missed, uh, you know, several games in each of those seasons. So, for him to still have to jump on Thomas, um, even though Julio is clearly the superior uh, wide receiver, for him to still have to jump on him, missing the time that he has and with Thomas getting um, about 90 targets per game on slant routes and whatnot, it is impressive for Julio to do that. So will he get that seven straight 1,000-yard season this year? Yes. Um, He'll break that record for himself. He'll hold it. And the outlook I have for 2020 on Julio is I do think he'll kind of get over the hump when it comes to him being able to come into or get in the end zone and score touchdowns so hopefully um he won't be able to you know catch as much flack as he does for not being not getting in the end zone i mean last year uh last year himself he had six receiving touchdowns you know and that that's kind of been the average since he came in the league um you know going back to 2014 he had six touchdowns in 2016 that you know incredible year he you know he had six touchdowns uh, in 17, he only had three. In 2018, he had eight. And as mentioned, six this year. So 
Um, like I mentioned, I don't hold that against them, but I do think he will kind of step it up in that neighborhood of eight to nine this year. I don't think he really – I don't think the Falcons really have an option in not giving Julio the ball this year. Um, for them to be able to compete with these high-powered offenses and in the NFC South and in the NFC and NFL as a whole, this team is going to have to be able to put the ball in the hands of the best receiver in the game. They're going to have to spread it around to him. They're going to have to throw it to him on deep passes and get him in the end zone. And that goes for the rest of the guys, Ridley, Gage, um, Hurst. You know, the ball is going to have to be spread around. But, it, you know, 11's got to lead the way. Matt, I love Matt, and he's got to get the ball to Julio as much as he can and as much as, as, much as possible. So, of course, he will get over that 1,300 yards, and he will have the record on – on to himself, and he will have his seventh consecutive 1,000-yard season. So, you know, we just listed about 30 NFL records that he holds, and that's not even half of them yet. So for that to just be another, you know, piece of the Julio Jones legacy for this for that future Hall of Fame receiver is something, something remarkable, and much like that of Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and, you know, all these other guys, you know, the Brett Favre's, you know, all these guys that have retired within the past 10 years, these guys aren't around forever. You know, obviously, any, uh, Hall of Fame talent such as Antonio Brown, you never even know when they're going to leave. Uh, they might just, you know, they might just nut up and leave on their own. But you never know when these incredible talents are going to leave the league. So you might as well make the most of it and appreciate their greatness and their talent. So, And that pretty much sums up Julio Jones, the future Hall of Famer to a team. So that's going to kind of wrap up our show today. We went over, we talked about how Keanu Neal, uh, you know, we talked, we broke down his stats, why he should still be here, why he is still here, how he's recovering from his two devastating injuries and ACL and Achilles, how he's feeling, how he's going to be ready for the 29th season, 29, excuse me, 2020 season, how he should be ready by week one um, in his physical and mental uh, mindset. We talked about Russell Gage and how he's going to be that number three receiver. Um, established, certified, you know, printed in number three receiver for this offense. Ryan's had Harry Douglas, Brian Fennerin, Leonard Hankerson, Russell, I mean, um, Taylor Gabriel. He's always had that number three, and now it's Russell Gage's turn. But I do think he will be here for a good amount of time here in Atlanta, just seeing what he's able to do in his route running and tough catchability. And then we broke down Julio Jones. I mean, there's a it's hard to break down Julio Jones in just a little show, little podcast like this, but we're, you know, it seems like it kind of like that of Drew Brees, as much as I hate to say that Julio's always going to go after an NFL record. And we talked, and we talked about how he's going for his seventh straight this year, seventh straight 1000 yard season. And how long the record this year for the most consecutive seasons with over 1300 yards and how he'll set that with seven as well. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Peachtree Podcast, brought to you by the Right Way Sports Network. We hope to have you back for another great show next week. And until that time, all of you listeners, have safe out there and keep rising up. Thank you for taking the time to listen in to our podcast produced by the Right Way Sports Network. Subscribe to our channel for more awesome content and follow us on social media on Instagram at TWSNet. 
on Twitter at TWSNet and on Facebook at The Right Way Sports Network. And remember, there's only one way to get your sports news and updates, and that is The Right Way.